Good morning and welcome to St Ninian's in Stonehouse. My name's Stuart. It's my privilege to be the minister here. But we're not in Stonehouse St Ninian's this morning. We're in my house. So welcome to my home. Like you, I'm stuck at home. Or perhaps it's I have the privilege of being able to stay at home to keep other people safe and to help protect you and your families as well as me and my family. So wherever you are, I hope you're well and you're very welcome to join us. This morning's reading is taken from the Gospel of Matthew from chapter 21, verses 1 to 11. <clears throat> when they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this. The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfil what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and put their cloaks on them, and sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees, and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus said, Go and get me a donkey and her colt. And if anyone asks, say that the Lord needs it and he'll send it back as soon as he's finished with them. You can almost picture the scene. A couple of disciples walking through a scheme somewhere, passing rows and rows of houses with people looking out at kids playing in the street. A couple of wee guys have already asked the owner for a quid to watch the donkey, just in case something happens to it. And the disciples approach. Um, excuse me, mister. Not really sure how to say this. But could we borrow your donkey and it's cold? It's for the Lord. We'll bring it back. Honest. Of course, this isn't some random request. Jesus is known. He's just raised Lazarus. He's lots and lots and lots of followers by now, probably including the guy with the donkey and the colt. They all know who he is, at least they think they do. And now the moment has come. Most of us have been stuck in the house for just over a week now. I'm sure there are a whole load of teenage boys who haven't noticed yet. They're stuck in their rooms with their Xboxes and snacks. They haven't realised that the world has changed. Knowing that you can't do something is always worse than choosing not to. Loads of people get up every day and go to work, come home and have their dinner and sit in front of the telly. But when someone tells you that you have to stay at home, it makes your normal different. It's usually difficult for us to imagine what life was like in Jesus' time. 
was so long ago in a very, very different culture. But perhaps this week, more than any other week in our memories, this is a time in which we can somehow relate. The Jews were in a different kind of lockdown. They weren't fighting a virus. They were controlled by the mighty Roman Empire. Anything that happened, happened because the Romans allowed it to happen. But the Romans were just the latest in a long, long line of conquerors. The Assyrians had tried, the Babylonians did a very good job. They destroyed the temple and most of Jerusalem and took the people off into exile. And now this had happened. These pagans with their brutal regime. You could be going about your business and a Roman soldier could come along and ask you to carry his pack. I say ask, tell. And you had to carry it for a mile. That's where we get the saying, going the extra mile from. The Romans ruled by fear. The Romans had invented crucifixion as a long, slow, painful, public way to execute people who didn't do what they were told, a reminder to anyone who dared to stand up against them. But through all of this, over all these years of occupation and violence, a rumour persisted. One day, the line of kings would be remade. One day, the true heir of David would return. One day, one day the king would once again ride into Jerusalem and reclaim the throne. But it had been a long, long wait. A thousand years of false prophets and impostors. They say it's the hope that kills you. But it turns out that's not quite true, thankfully. I was reading an article this week about what's known as the Stockdale Paradox. James Stockdale was a one-time candidate for the Vice Presidency of the United States of America. He'd also been a prisoner of war during the Vietnam War. Like many others, during his captivity, Stockdale suffered horrific treatment. He lived in awful conditions for a long time. Asked when he returned who had been most likely to survive such conditions, his answer was, well, a little surprising. The optimists, he said, they were least likely to survive. Why? Well, because optimists tend to set short-term deadlines. It'll be over by the end of the week, by the end of the month, by Christmas. And when those deadlines come and go, well, so does their hope. Stockdale had a very different approach. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. And somewhere in there lies the problem of Palm Sunday. Because there's a difference between optimism and hope. They're not the same thing. That short-term wishing that soon something will end or something will be different, that's optimism, not hope. Hope is something much deeper. Hope isn't a wish. Hope is knowing that in the end, things will change. This too will pass. Hope doesn't ignore the current reality. In fact, it does the very opposite. Hope confronts the current reality. It acknowledges what's happening and how difficult that might be. Remember, just a few weeks ago, Jesus told us that we would be blessed if we were persecuted in his name. He doesn't offer us an easy time. But the sun will rise, and then it will set again, and tomorrow it will rise again. Jesus is the one. He is the Messiah, 
He's the kind that they've been waiting on. But in their short-term, optimistic view, they get caught up in the chance for an immediate change. And they forget the reality of their current situation. Palm Sunday for the crowd is just blind optimism. Ignoring everything that Jesus has said, misunderstanding all that he's done. Expecting him to be a very different kind of Messiah. The kind that they want, not the kind that he is. And everything that happens in Palm Sunday exposes this. It starts with a big procession. They lay their cloaks on the ground. We don't have cloaks, at least most of us don't. Most people in those days had one, and it was the one thing that wasn't allowed to be taken from you. If you owed people something, they could take all kinds of things from you, but not your cloak. You were allowed to keep that. So it was one of the most important things that people had to lay it down on the ground for someone else. Well, that was a big statement. You only did that for a king. Palm branches, they were another royal sign, stripped down and waved at a passing royal procession. And look what they're calling him, son of David. And look what they shout, Hosanna, Hosanna. That's one of those words that we don't really use properly. It's not a cry of delight, it's not even one of praise. Hosanna means save us, rescue us, be our saviour. So right in the middle of an occupation, right at the start of the Passover festival where the Jews gathered together in Jerusalem to remember when they escaped from Egypt, from slavery, from another brutal occupation, the moment has come. The moment has come. The Messiah is finally here. The thing that they've wished for for a thousand years has actually happened. And he's riding on a donkey and on the colt of a donkey, mocking the power of the empire. The crowd must have been delirious. The Romans must have been nervous. The religious leaders, they must have been terrified. This has happened before. It happened 160 years earlier when Julius Maccabeus rode into town during the middle of the Festival of the Tabernacles. He reclaimed the throne, but it didn't last long. So this Palm Sunday thing, it's no gala day parade. It's not about kids dressing up and waving flags as bands and floats pass by. Palm Sunday is nothing short of a revolution, isn't it? Hosanna, save us. Hosanna, rescue us. Hosanna, be our king. And in our turn, we have allowed our own blind optimism to take over. Because we know how the story ends. And so we always experience Palm Sunday in the light of next Sunday. We know that it's all going to be okay. And so we divorce the story from our own current situation. Our own here and now. We've turned Palm Sunday into something less. Something less challenging, something less dangerous, something less transformational. And that's what the crowd thought too. They didn't get what they wanted. No great king, no overthrowing of the empire, no newly won freedom. Jesus had already chosen another way. And they hadn't been paying attention. Jesus has already chosen a different priority, but it didn't match theirs. Jesus had already chosen a different path and it was a path that he would have to walk alone. 
So when we whisper our hosannas, scared perhaps to let the hope that we keep so tightly controlled in a box free, fed up of false dawns and false stars, wondering if this time it will be different, we see once again vested interests mobilised to protect themselves, whether it's political power or religious authority or personal safety. To read this story of Palm Sunday is hugely ironic this week. A story about a parade as we sit alone in our homes to protect ourselves and each other, staying as far away from each other as possible while we imagine the crowds jostling in Jerusalem. But just like all crowds, they soon disperse. Their optimism evaporates. They return to their routine, disappointed that the revolution didn't happen again. They go back to their waiting, back to their wondering, back to their normal. But nothing would ever be normal again, because the king had returned. The Messiah was with them. They would be saved. Just not yet. Not yet. Thanks for listening. If you have any comments, questions or thoughts about this week's sermon, then please do get in touch. We create this podcast at anchor.fm where you can leave us a voice message. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We post the audio of the whole service each week on our website. There are details of all of this in the show notes. If you're in the neighbourhood and want to join us in person, we meet for worship every Sunday at 11am. We'd love to see you.